Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. You know, as we were singing this morning that song, um, This is a House of Miracles, and I was singing, and obviously we declare that over as community, as the body of Christ here at this church, the larger body of Christ. It is a house of miracles, but also... We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the house of God. This is a house of miracles. You are a house of miracles. And today, I really want us to dive into that because sometimes we don't know that, believe that, think that, feel that. And so today, I want us to dive into that. I'm going to start with this. Stand firm in the faith. I can. I am strong, immovable, steadfast, even when the wind blows, even when the waves crash over me. Oh, wait, the waves are higher than I thought. The wind is fiercer than I thought. I'm being knocked down. Oh, no, I'm being blown over. I am weak, shaky, faithless. I can't stand firm in the faith. I want to take a moment and let's read that from a different perspective. Let's reverse our thinking. We're going to start from the bottom up. Stand firm in the faith. I can't. I'm weak. I'm shaky, faithless. I'm being blown over. I'm being knocked down. Oh, no. The wind is fiercer than I thought. The waves are higher than I thought. Oh, wait. Even when the winds crash over, even when the wind blows, I'm strong, immovable, steadfast. I can stand firm in the faith. Thank you, Father, for reversing our thinking today. Thank you for giving us a perspective that maybe we never thought of before. Thank you, Father, for solidifying within our hearts Not just being firm in the faith, but being firm in our love for you. Being firm in you. So I thank you for that. And I want to close out this prayer with you guys actually doing an interactive thing with me. Because many times we pray, and it's good, and we receive, and things are imparted. But I want you to participate in this prayer. So I want you to put your hands on your eyes and say, thank you, God. You've given me eyes to see. I want you to touch your ears. Thank you, God. You've given me ears to hear. And touch your mind. Thank you, God. You have given me a mind to know and understand you. And touch your heart. Thank you, Father. You have given me a heart to receive your truth, to transform me. Amen. So when we moved here in 2003, you've heard many parts of our story from my amazing husband, Brian. 
um, from his side. So moving here in 2003 for the first time for me, I quickly realized that uh, the old house that we moved into, that is no longer ours, um, <laughs> uh, it didn't always fare well when storms came. And it didn't matter if it was just a little bit of wind or rain or snow. So we moved here then. We were, we had, were in the throes of renovating it, had moved in before it was completely done. And when those storms came, the electricity, up until we moved, would almost go off all the time. Like, it, it just it didn't matter. And I'm like, how many more trees can fall on lines? How many more branches are there? How, how can this happen? So I began to quickly assess that we needed to be prepared ahead of time before a storm would come so that we could continue to somewhat survive. So we eventually got a generator that helped keep some things running, but even that needed preparation. And my husband and I each had our responsibilities. His was the generator and making sure that was going, and mine was the, quote, storm stash that I would prepare. Um, and as you know, Brian and I have really different perspectives of how we do things, different methods of preparation. His is in the moment, mine is ahead of time. So there was fun times, fun times in the middle of a snowstorm, trying to hook the generator and get the gas. And, and I didn't, I wasn't always kind. I would remind him why he wouldn't have done this when we knew this was predicted to come. Anyway, fun times, we've grown. Um, so, the storm stash, though, consisted of this plastic tub that I would have in our pantry, and it would have um, peanut butter, bread. Um, we always had waters, filled the tub with water upstairs. Um, we'd have the paper goods, the things, so we, wouldn't, we could throw stuff away, we wouldn't have to wash dishes. So I tried to have things that would work, if you lost electricity for one day or five days. I tried to have this stash there and have it always ready. So <clears throat> we prepared for whatever storm was being predicted, and I didn't always have to pull it out and use it. So today what I'm encouraging us to do, exhorting us to do, is to prepare our storm stash. So this isn't a gloom and doom message of, this is what's coming um, this is actually a reality that we need to stand strong in our faith, whether times are good or times are bad. Many times we kind of lean into the standing strong in my faith because the times are bad, and then the times are good, and we're like, eh, I'm good, I don't need to do that. So for whatever storm may be coming our way in our own world, in our nation, in anywhere, and whatever capacity they come, we need to be ready. There are many people who are believing for a great awakening, great spiritual awakening that is coming upon the earth. I believe that. There are many people believing and saying and praying into that New England in particular will be ablaze with spiritual revival. And I believe that. I believe that God is moving. We sang it today. I don't just sing those words. We believe those words. But anytime there's an awakening, especially spiritually, there's a spiritual enemy that we have who is not going to sit back without a fight. 
And so it sounds good, spiritual awakening, and we kind of forget what may come along with that. So let's be prepared. 2 Timothy 3 talks about the last days and the perilous times that will come during that time. And I encourage you to read that. It's not, a, it's not something we need to shy away from. So 2 Timothy 3 talks about that. And in those times, there will definitely be a need for firm faith where we stand strong. But Joel 2 also references the last days with the pouring out of his spirit upon all flesh, young and old alike. So you have these two opposites, so to speak, of what's going to happen in the last days. Which one am I going to believe? Well, we, both. The word is true. Both are coming. But the spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh, so we shore up our faith. So when we face the storms of those perilous times and things that will come at us, whether it's from out here or sometimes within our own self that the enemy comes to try to attack, we shore up our faith and we stand firmly standing in readiness to receive the outpouring of the Spirit of God that will propel us into the peril, into the storm. Because faith, our faith is not just to protect us, me and my little family. My faith is to protect me. Our faith is to propel us into something, not protect us from something. It isn't just to surround us with faith, but it is to send us out. And I believe that is what God is doing with you as the body of Christ planted here in this church, that he is working in you to, yes, protect us, because he does do that too, but that's not the whole reason. It's to propel you and send you out into the storm. Yay! I get to go out in the storm. My husband loves it. Like when a storm comes, like we're all like, snow day, when the kids are little. I'm thinking, yay, snow day, we just sit around the fire. And he's like, yay, snow day, let me get my stuff on and run out and check the whole town and make they're all good and see what's happening. Yeah. Well, God wants to send us out. So to stand firm is to hold one's ground, to refuse to change your decision or your position. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 9. I'm going to read it from here. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside your self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Now, I want to tell you before I finish reading, when I began, I wasn't even preparing for this. These are just thoughts that came in my head a few months ago. And then when Pastor Quentin said, when would you like to preach? Um, I was like, never. No, <laughs> in my head, I was like, no, it's okay, I'll just share it with people little by little. Um, but this is what kept coming up, and especially this verse. 
for you at this time, for me at this time. But resist him. Be firm in the faith against his attack, rooted, established, immovable, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. When we read the part about, I believe it's um, seeking whom he may devour, seeking someone to devour, that is anyone that he can allure to unfaithfulness. And it may be a big sin that allures you and tempts you, and it may be just very small thoughts in your own heart. Anyone that he can allure to unfaithfulness, that he may assault and have the greatest likelihood of success with. That's who that someone is that he's seeking to devour. To withstand means to stand up against, to oppose with a firm determination that you will not do this. See, 1 Peter, and when you read chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, this was written to the Christians who were persecuted, who were by now scattered. They were living in five different regions, but they were chosen by God the Father. I think it says in verse 2, consecrated by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. So these people didn't necessarily have it so easy. They weren't together anymore. They were scattered all over five regions. They were being persecuted. They were in the midst of stuff. And he's telling them, listen, stand strong. Be firm. The enemy is coming, trying to, trying to take you down. So I want to share something that um, I walked through this year um, that can maybe lead into what sometimes can shake our faith and cause us to slip a little in our faith and not be so sure that we are as firm as we thought we were. <clears throat> My job um, is an executive director at a women's center in town. And what we do in this center is we offer help and hope to women who are making pregnancy decisions, whether they want the baby or they don't, but they're needing, they don't know what to do. So we are there to help them, to walk through with them before, during, and after their pregnancy. And uh, we do many things there. So the Supreme Court leak that happened in May or whenever it happened, um, and then the decision that followed after that, the Roe v. Wade, overturning of Roe v. Wade, that uh, set off quite an attack against centers, against anyone pro-life, as we know, we saw on the news. It set off quite an attack against centers all across the nation. There were news reports, false narratives, threats, letters that were pretty constant. And being in the role that we were in, we have uh, organizations that we're associated with, and so we would receive things, not out of fear, but here's what you need to do to be ready. So these threats, these lies, all of these things that came even personally into our center were constant and they were loud. So the storm of words against all of the centers in the nation and other people and churches, including ours, Although they were unsubstantiated, and they were lies, things that were written about us, things that were said, were lies. And although I knew that, it shook my confidence as a leader that could I even lead in this capacity where God had positioned me? I can't. 
I don't know how to do this. This is very intimidating to me. And I like to think of myself as a strong woman, you know, this warrior. You know, sometimes my husband paints me as something that I'm like, yeah, but inside I was like shaking so bad. <laughs> um, I like to think of myself like that. But in this capacity and at this time, I felt like I had to know everything. I had to be a medical person. I had to be a scientist. I had to be a philosopher. I had to know every answer to everything that was being said, and I had to refute it, and I had to defend it, and I was worn out. Like, I'd sit at my desk, and I'm like, I don't even know how to do my actual job here because I'm trying to figure out how do I answer these questions? How do I say this? How do I prove that? No, 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 no. That's not who we are. That's not what we do. What you're saying is wrong. And I became extremely worn out. I even began fearing taking phone calls at our center because we would receive some calls that were people who you just knew that you knew that you knew were trying to trap you in your words. So I began to fear taking phone calls. Um, and at our center, we always say, together we offer hope. And that really does sound amazing, and it is, because we do. But the reality was I began feeling despair. So I didn't want to answer a call to anybody that might be real because I'm probably going to display despair here. And the reality of the opposition spiritually and literally intimidated me. So all that was happening right in the middle of when we were moving and trying to figure out how to pack something where I would live temporarily, something where I would live permanently. I had to pack like three different ways. And trying to sell our house with some things that were going on even in the midst of a house sale. And also finding out in the middle of that that I had a basal cell carcinoma, skin cancer, on my nose. So I'm like, okay, this is so great. You know, so in the middle of my house, so I have this big bandage on my nose um, where they had done things and determined that I also needed to have surgery to have the cancer cut out. So on all levels, I was not so strong. And I ended up on a call with the legal organization that our center is affiliated with. And I talked to one of the ladies there, I think she was one of the lawyers there, because she was calling to see how we were faring, and I told her all of the things that was happening. She ended up saying to me, listen, let your focus be on what you do know, not on what you don't know. In other words, you know the abundance of services you provide. You know who you are, what your role is. You know why you provide them. You know how you provide them, and you know the impact that has been made. So focus on what you do know. When she said that, I literally, you know, she probably was thinking, oh my word, this woman. I started crying and I was like, thank you, thank you. It was so freeing and so empowering to me to say, wait, why am I focused on all these voices and all these words and all these lies and all these things and I'm taking it in? Why am I so like, I don't know anything, I don't know anything. I, what I do know. So when we look at 2 Timothy 1.12, I believe this is what um, he's saying to us too. This is why I'm suffering as I do. Still, I am not ashamed, for I know, I perceive, have knowledge of, and I'm acquainted with him 
whom I have believed, whom I've trusted and relied on, and I am positively persuaded that he is able to guard and keep that which has been entrusted to me and which I have committed to him until that day. So I exhort you to know him whom you have believed. Focus on what you do know. Focus on who you do know. So what can cause us to lose our footing in our faith? It could be a big event. It could be something catastrophic. It could be many things. It could be a huge storm. But many times it is the constant wear and tear in our mind from heartache, from disappointment, from weariness, which can lead us to where Pastor Tommy spoke about this a couple weeks ago, where we know God can, but I just don't think he will because he really hasn't in the way that I've believed and prayed. And so the vulnerabilities we have, Satan will try to use and cloud our heart and mind with unbelief, disillusionment, because we feel God hasn't come through. And sometimes we sing a song like we did this morning where it says, no fear, no doubt, because I believe. And we're like, no fear. Yes, there is some. No doubt. We, I, my mind is, is battling with doubt. How do I? So I must not be that Christian, that firm Christian then. I must not be. That's a lie of the enemy. That's a lie. Because sometimes we will sing those songs and we sing them out of faith. We sing them out of, I'm stepping into this. I'm coming up and I'm coming out of this. I'm coming up and I'm coming out. And so I'm going to sing this. I'm going to read this. I'm going to declare this. I'm going to pray this because this is who God is. This I know whom I've believed and I may not feel it. I might have some fear and I might have some doubt and I might have some questionings. But I know who am I believed. So the vulnerability Satan will try to use and cloud our heart with unbelief, disillusionment, because we feel God has not come through. It could be that our heart gets distracted and the word just gets choked out by other things that are around us, maybe even good things. We're doing, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing. We're, we're so busy, we've got this, we've got that, and we've even tried to lay some things off our plate, but we get distracted by so many things and the word gets choked out. So we just weaken over time and other things capture our heart. Could be the age we live in, the great falling away. The Bible talks about in the last days, there'll be a falling away. Even the elect will turn. So determine in your heart, I'm not going to be one of those that turns and falls away. I'm going to stand firm in my faith. Because it doesn't mean that, and even, even the elect, when it says that, that's even the strongest of the strongest so we have to guard our heart. I used to tell my kids when they were little all the time, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it come the issues of life. Guard your heart. Be careful what comes into your heart. That, that song, that is kind of a creepy song, I guess. Be careful, little eyes, what you do, because God is watching everything. You know, it can feel like he's stalking and all that, but, but he does see. <laughs> Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little hands, what you do. It's the truth. Because we're guarding our heart, not out of a fear that, oh my gosh, he's going to see me and just hit me. Because I love you and I know whom I believed and I don't want to leave you. Being shaky in our faith isn't failing. In, in Pastor Tommy's message also, he talked about Peter and the denial that he had where Jesus said, you're going to deny me. And he's like, no, I'm not. And he did. And then he's in a, you know, a hole, a corner hiding, and Jesus comes back, and, and he's on the shore, and he's like, Peter, do you love me? And ask him three times. 
That was the point of Jesus saying, hey, you're not a failure. You had some moments, and you got shaky, and as firm as you thought you were, you weren't. But I love you, and I'm here. So actually, it can be good when we find ourselves facing those things because those questions and times of trial can actually push us more into why do I believe what I believe? You need to know that. It can't just be this surface, I believe because I just believe it. Why do I believe what I believe? And this can solidify faith deep in our hearts. And besides, where would we go? Jesus asked this to his disciples in John 6. The context of this is Jesus is talking about himself being the spiritual bread in this chapter. He even starts off with the the miracle of the five loaves. So he starts off with a literal miracle of him providing bread. But then he turns in John chapter 6 into the spiritual side of it, gives a different perspective. It starts with that miracle, but he turns from him meeting their physical needs to, I'm the one who actually will meet your spiritual needs. I'm the bread of life. You eat of me, you drink of my blood, you'll never thirst again, you'll never be hungry again. So he repeated over and over, eat my flesh, drink my blood, eat my flesh, drink my blood. That was him emphasizing the need to appropriate, to take into ourselves who he is, what he actually did on the cross by the breaking of his body and the giving of his blood, that he kept emphasizing, appropriate this, apply this, take this into yourself. This is what I'm here to do. This is what is going to happen. This is your salvation. This is me meeting your spiritual needs. This is what sustains you. This is what will strengthen you. But there were some followers who could not get out of the physical mindset of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And so they ignored the things of the Spirit, and they turned and walked away. They got offended at what he was saying. These were people, not the Pharisees, these were the followers of Jesus, some of his disciples, got offended and turned away because he was saying, listen, you really need to go deep here. You need to take what I'm about to do, and you need to apply it to your life and understand, I am what you need spiritually. But they were stuck in a physical mindset. They were stuck in hearing the voices, stuck in the doubts, stuck in whatever we get stuck in. And they ignored the things of the Spirit. And they turned and walked away. But John 6, 66 through 69, says, As a result of this, many of his disciples abandoned him and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter. Now, this is before he denied Jesus. This is before Jesus was crucified. Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. You are our only hope. We have believed and confidently trusted. And even more, we have come to know by personal observation and experience that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Son of the living God. So you see, Peter had established this. Where am I going to go? You know, there are many times when I've walked through things in my life, and even recently, and there's thoughts that sometimes come in that say, you know, he hasn't really answered this and done this, and you thought, and you keep praying, and you... Like, what would I do? What would I believe? No, you are the son of the living God. The key words there are we have come to learn to believe. We have learned to believe, which means it's not this instantaneous 
It's a process, a journey that we walk through with God, Holy Spirit, God the Father, Jesus the Son. We walk through this journey learning to believe when the things come at us, when the things hit us. And it's a process of coming to know who he is. So how can we stay steady and stand firm? We keep our eyes not on the faith we have, but on the one in whom we have faith. The one who redeems us, the one who carries us, the one who loves us. We keep our faith in the one we love. Let's go back to 2 Timothy 1, 12 through 14. We're going to add a few more verses to this, though. This is why I suffer, still I'm not ashamed, for I know him whom I believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to guard, which I've committed to him until that day. Keep and follow the pattern of sound teaching, doctrine, which you've heard from me, in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard with the greatest care and keep unchanged the treasure, that precious truth, which has been entrusted to you, that is the good news about salvation through personal faith in Christ Jesus, through the help of Of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So we know the one whom we have believed and be persuaded that he is able to guard and keep what has been given to us and what we have committed to him. And then it goes on to say, then we hold fast. Every time I see this verse, I think of a wide receiver who's getting the football. The quarterback has thrown him the football, he catches it. What does that wide receiver do? Does he just kind of like, I'm going to the goal, or kind of like this. No, he like, probably they have a technique where they learn how to tuck that in, and there's nobody that's going to get that out. You hold it like a football, and you say, I am heading to this goal. Nothing, no matter what kind of thing tackles me, I'm not going to let go of this precious truth. And you keep this precious truth and you hide the word in your heart. Psalm 119, says, I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. But it's by the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You notice at the end of that verse? So it's not like God doesn't tell us all these things and now go ahead and figure it out. And you, you're the one responsible now to make sure. He's like, actually, I'm with you. It's by the help of the Holy Spirit who makes his home in you. I will help you to do this. But he's not going to do it all, but we don't have to do it all. We work together with our Redeemer, the one who loves us so much. The other way is prayer and worship, communication both ways. You don't just sit and pray, 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 pray. You listen, 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 listen. Communicate with him. Consistent prayer throughout your day, communicating with Jesus. And worship, find scriptures, find songs that speak strength and hope and truth to your heart, your mind, and your spirit. And speak them and play them until they are a part of you. These are just practical ways for us to say, how do I stand firm in the faith? And we don't always have to choose the days when we're the most down that we do this. It's the days when we are like on top of the world. And we can see and we're like, who? You still speak your scripture. Get into his word. Worship, worship. Also, consistent heart choices that override a feeling. I'm going to read um, something from this book called Resilient by John Eldridge. Whatever the enemy brings against you, whatever else he brings against you, he will always bring with it a feeling of, I don't want to fight this. 
This feeling is, is called ennui, a weariness of spirit, a malaise, that sense of, I just don't want to fight anymore. This feeling is not your true heart. This is so helpful to understand that weariness you're feeling, that not now, maybe later, that sense of being overwhelmed, that why bother, who cares? God doesn't even care. He's not listening. This is the enemy, not you. You can more clearly choose to resist when you know that. You're much better prepared. You say, I reject this feeling of why bother and who cares. And I reject this feeling that I don't even want to fight. I do. I choose the strength that prevails. I don't want to be one of those folks who get taken out at the end. Daniel 10, 17 says, my strength is gone, Daniel said it, and I can hardly breathe. This is, this is Daniel, the man that we sang about this morning, in the den of lions, and you know all of those things. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me, he said, and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now, be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. So we understand that these feelings are going to come. And the feeling of, I just don't want to fight anymore. And the way I found out about this book is I was sharing with a very close friend of mine, which is another key point, have some good people in your life that you can walk through and talk through this with. And I said, honestly, I don't feel like I can fight anymore. I used to be such a warrior princess. That's how I saw myself. I used to be such, whoo, and I don't feel like I even want to fight anymore. So she said, hmm, somebody just wrote about that, and here you go. Um, and so we all have those pieces. So during some of this time, the things that I told you about in the beginning that were going on in my life, I was in a store, I was in Rennie's, and I love when I go into Rennie's, which isn't very often, but when I go in there, they have this aisle that has these little things that you put on a wall, little things that you sit down and on your mantle or wherever you have, and... Um, most of them say, like, have fun at the lake, or this is the great place to relax. I'm like, I don't have a lake house. Why do I always look at this stuff? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> maybe one day I'll have a lake house. Um, but I walked by. There's these two signs laying on the bottom. And I was like, oh. And I walked by, and it's like Holy Spirit said, go back and look at that sign. So I just, I just felt this, like, you got to go look at that. And I was like, well, I'm moving. Why would I buy something to put in my house? I'm moving. And I knew that I knew that I knew I had to buy that sign. This sign says, there will be miracles. And so I was like, wow. I didn't know Rennie sold stuff like that, but okay. <laughs> Must be God. Uh, and it was because I grabbed that sign and I was like, you know what? I know I'm moving, but this sign is going everywhere I go right now. I never packed it away, everywhere where I could see it. And um, it was my way of saying to my heart and my mind, stand firm. Don't give up. There will be miracles for the things that you've been praying for, for the things that sometimes wake you up at night, whether it's God waking you up or your worry. And I know I'm not supposed to worry, but sometimes I wake up and sometimes I can't sleep. So sometimes I pray and sometimes I don't pray. And so when this happens, 
these things that you are so dear to your heart that you have prayed for for quite some time. And it doesn't seem like it's, he's coming through. There will be miracles. There will be miracles. Don't give up hope in your own heart, in your own life, whether it's a miracle that you need or someone that you know needs or our nation needs or whatever it is, there will be miracles. We don't determine what that miracle is going to be. I didn't take this home and say, now here's the way you have to do this. I just said, my heart needs to know that you are strong and there will be miracles. So you don't give up because we are going to feel a lot of things. There are going to be many opportunities for us to be for something or against something in an unhealthy way. There are going to be many opportunities for us to get offended, to be angry, to be overwhelmed. And those feelings are real. But just like our thoughts, where it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, we take captivity, every thought that comes against the knowledge of Christ, and we pull it down to the obedience of Christ. We also bring our emotions under the rule of Christ, not letting them control our perspectives or our reactions. Kind of like the palindrome, the poem that we read in the beginning. We turn that perspective. We do not let them control it. There's a quote by John Eldridge that says, we honor our emotions by acknowledging them. We don't deny them. We bridle or we keep them in check our emotions by keeping them subject to truth. You don't let them undermine your faith. You don't let these emotions undermine your love, who you love, the one in whom you know you have believed and are committed to. You don't let them undermine your love for Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You don't let them undermine the authority that you, as the body of Christ, have been given by Jesus Christ. You don't let those emotions undermine them. You will feel them. You will have them around you. But you don't let them come up and say, ah, this is the truth. You bring it subject to the truth of God. Standing firm in the faith doesn't mean you will not feel the stuff or that you won't even slip sometimes. Psalm 94, 18 talks about, my foot has slipped, but your mercy and your loving kindness have held me up. You're going to feel the stuff. Let's look at 1 Peter uh, 5, 10, and 11. After you have suffered for a little while. Okay, so this is after he says, withstand, be firm, stand strong. He knows there's stuff going to come. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. To him be dominion, power, authority, sovereignty forever and ever. Amen. Again, he is not leaving you to do this on your own. He himself, after maybe we have had these things come at us, but we pull out of our storm stash. And we say, but this is who you are. This is who I believe. This, my, I'm standing firm in faith. Yes, but I'm standing firm in who, I, who you are, and I love you. It means in the middle of it, we choose to keep our love for God and our commitment to him strong because he is committed to us. That right there tells us 
He himself will complete and make strong and do what needs to be done in us to establish us, to help us be immovable, to help us be steadfast. But it all boils down to because I know whom I believed in. I love you. I trust you. I put my faith in you. Abraham hoped and hope his faith was gone. And we know that Abraham slipped because, you know, God promised him and Sarah a son, and then they got nervous, and they got whatever they got. And even though Romans 4 tells us that his, he didn't weaken in faith, well, there was a spot where he had a little moment because she's like, hey, go to your other wife, the other lady. And, 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 I, and I'm so glad I didn't live back then because I would have been the reason that God said, we do need to write Ten Commandments and thou shalt not murder. I would have been the reason. <laughs> so I would not have said to my husband, hey, go to the other wife. <laughs> I would have said to him, actually, this will hurt you more than it hurts me. <laughs> so, but so he did weaken in faith. He, he did have a moment. But it says he grew in faith and strength as he worshiped and praised God. He was empowered to continue to believe God. And then Isaac was born. He continued to believe. So Daniel had daily established the practice of prayer in his life. So when he was faced with the den of lions for just disobeying the king's orders for praying, because they couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel, the people around him, but they said, oh, but he does this. So there's got to be a loophole here that we can say to the king, oh, Daniel's praying three times a day, and he's not subjecting himself to you And so they made the decree. Anyone who does this is going to be thrown into the den of lions. So Daniel had already established, already had a storm stash that he pulled from. He went to his room and he did what he always did. He prayed. Let's read Daniel 6.10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. To me, that's such a powerful verse right there. He'd already established this practice that no matter what comes against me, no matter what I might feel about it, I'm going to go, I'm going to open my windows, everybody knows what I'm doing, because this is what I do, and I'm going to do what I always do, I'm going to pray. And it didn't prevent him from coming into the den of lions, being thrown there. He was thrown in the den of lions. But we all know what happened. We sang it this morning. God shut the mouths of the lions. The lion who was fiercely hungry, as we read about in 1 Peter, seeking whom he may devour. He can shut the mouth of that lion, the one roaring like a lion, our enemy. He can shut the mouth of that lion and say to it, she might be in here, he might be at this spot, but you're not going to touch her. I don't care how fierce your hunger is. She's not the one. But it's not just God saying she's not the one or he's not the one. It's us rising up and saying, hey, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. Because I have done my usual. I will continue to practice, to hear, to worship, to pray, to know, to believe. So I'm not the one. Not me. Not today. You also reach out to those you know who will walk with you 
you're not alone. Key thing. So when I bought this sign, and I walked into my house, and Candace and Josiah were living with us at the time, and so they were having to pack up, too, for another place they were moving to. I was like, hey, I got this to put in the house. <laughs> we're like, what? And she's packing boxes. And so I walked in, and I said, I don't know. I just felt like I was supposed to get this. And she's like, oh, my word. Two days ago, I just told my friend I had seen there will be miracles on a mug or something somewhere. And I told her I need to get that from my mother-in-law. And why did she know she needed to get that for me? Because a few days before, I had broken awkwardness, which it is awkward to pray with your family. It's awkward sometimes, and the enemy knows that we can pray with anybody else but those living in our house. And so I said, hey, Candace, I'm really struggling. I, I believe, but I need other people actually to help me believe because I feel myself sinking. So I reached out and we prayed. And I said, I need you to pray. These are things on my heart. And so we prayed. And so God had already been working in her. That's why you need to walk through this, whether it's your spouse. Definitely share with your spouse, which I did through times. I do tell him, hey, I'm not okay today. I don't think I'm, I don't know what's happening today. So definitely share with your spouse and find, and, and your family, your kids, don't be afraid to pray with your kids. Kids, don't be afraid to pray for your parents. I've had my kids, younger, or, and when they're older, come up to me and say, hey, can I pray? And it's awkward because the enemy wants to have this little in there to stop us from doing this. It's awkward sometimes to pray with just you and your spouse, and you're like, oh, let's, let's go to pretend we're in church, and maybe we can do this better. Your family, your friend, you find people who can walk through with you, who come into agreement with, there will be miracles. Stand firm. Stay in the faith. God promises you can stand firm in the faith because he promises to keep you when you're in the presence of your enemies. He promises to feed you at a table there, Psalm 23. He lifts you high on a rock and your head is above your enemy. You're seen by them, but you're protected, Psalm 27. You are hidden with Christ in God, Colossians 3. And he said we would have trials, tribulations, distress, and frustrations in John 6.33, but that in him and in the storms, you would have the peace and the confidence, and you can take courage because it says in there that he has overcome the world and deprived it of any power to harm you, and he's conquered it for you. So you can stand firm. So we can stand firm in the faith as a response to an invitation from a fully loving God who sees and knows and hears everything and still always loves. He has proven his faithfulness over and over. We sang it again this morning. Over and over. His grace and mercy is new every morning after the dark night. Lamentations 3. So remember, remember, remember to stand firm to stand firm, to stand firm in your faith, in your love, in your trust. Do not give up. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. I'm going to skip some of the extras in this Amplified just for time's sake. May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit. He dwells in you. Again, he's in you. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell and settle down, make his permanent home in your hearts. 
May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely in love that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of his power and his love. That you may really come to know practically the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge, that you may be filled throughout your whole being unto the fullness of God. You will have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body, a house of miracles, a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. You lead in faith. You lead your homes. You lead your communities. You lead in your growth. Ephesians 6 tells us you lead in valuing God's presence. Ephesians 6 tells us to stand firmly, put on truth, put on righteousness. He didn't say just stand here. He said stand and put on. Put on truth. Put on righteousness. Put on salvation. Put on walking in the gospel of peace. Lifting up that shield of faith that covers you from head to toe. That covers you from the fiery, distracting darts of the enemy. Taking the word of God. So you're not just standing, but he's also saying put on. But he also says, remember, I'm in you. I'm going to fully flood you. My Holy Spirit's with you. I'm going to make you what you ought to be. And praying at all times. So we move from our faith, our relationship with Jesus being something that's just a part of our life to it being the center of our life, where everything we do, say, think, flows from it and gives way to it. He's not just part of it. Our faith is not just a part. We are learning to believe that he's the center. We are coming to know that he is the son of God, the living one, the holy the Holy One. Who else would we go to? And so he's my center. Everything I do, think, and feel flows from this. So today you might be in a season where you are very firm in your faith. And that's a good thing. Not that everything's perfect, but you really do have a solid footing. And you see nothing but the world around you. This is what you see. You're firm. You're good. Things are great. You are ready to conquer the world. But you also might be in a season where you're feeling your faith, your heart shaking, and you're uncertain that you can take another step because you might fall down. And what you see is not the world around you, you can put the next picture, but the world below. So these pictures were taken a few years ago on a hike that we went, and that's my foot, and I was totally exhausted at this point. It's taken from the same mountain. The perspectives. And that's where you might be today, like one more step this way, and I'm gone. It's pretty shaky, I can't do this. And you might be today somewhere in between, but regardless, I have asked the worship team, I felt this in my heart a few weeks ago, to come up. And we're going to sing a song, simple. It's a declaration, really. It's not a song. It's a declaration of truth. And as we sing this song, I want you to actually go deep. Let it go deep. You know, I had a friend one time, long time ago, when I was leading worship, and she would say to me, 
she'd be on the front row and she'd be like, you're singing from your head, sing from your heart, you know, and, and seriously, I would be like, I need to sing from my gut, from my spirit. So today, I actually want you to sing from your mind though, because your mind needs to know this too. But I want you to sing from your heart, and I want you to sing from your spirit, and I want you to make a declaration over you, your family, your community, your circumstance, and choose to not only let him live in you, but you live in him. So as we sing this today, I don't care what you sound like, I want you to belt it out. And you know what? It might start off kind of quiet. It might be because you're trying to process, do you reign? Have I let you reign? And if you don't know Jesus, if you've never made him the Lord of your life, or you, you at one point prayed this and then you're like, no, nah, never mind. This day is for you too. So let's let him reign. So I want you to stand. I want you to declare this. And I want you to sing it.
immense, intense love you have for us. This isn't just our love for you, but this is your love for us. Help us to go from here. That the whole, our whole body fully flooded with your presence, with the understanding of who you are tomorrow and at midnight and on Friday when the day is good help us to go from here firmly standing in you I, I thank you Father I send them out into the places where you have placed them to speak to declare, to live the presence of God. Because we will see miracles. We will see you are moving. We're not going to see you move. We're going to see, open our eyes to see that you already are moving. And we will hear you speaking. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Father. So we commit this day to you. And we know that you will keep it told us you would. You would keep that which is entrusted to us and what we've committed to you. We commit our lives to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.